Well, good morning. It's great to see you today. We love comebacks because we are meant to be a comeback story. Series statement right there. We love comebacks. You're going to hear that again, okay? We love comebacks because we are meant to be a comeback story. Because the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the ultimate comeback story. And that was the story that was given or played out, so to speak, for all of us. We are people of the comeback. Now, the scriptures are full of people making a comeback. And last week, we looked at, um, at the Apostle Peter and his comeback, specifically his comeback from failure. Um, honestly, Peter's story could have easily been a complete bust. It could have been. But we saw that in his life story, the Lord gave Peter the comeback over failure through the power of forgiveness. And for each of us, there is a comeback from failure. Either a lifestyle of failure, a big incident of failure, there's always a comeback over failure. And uh, we saw that last week. But today I want to I wanna look at another comeback in Scripture. And I want to start with a, a question. Y- you know, Jesus made 125 or so uh, commands in the Gospels. What I mean a command, it's, it's an imperative issued statement. It's, it's a command. He told somebody to do something. Or he told us to do something. It's a command. 125 of those are throughout the the Gospels. What do you think is the most common command that Jesus gave? Do you think it was love God? That makes sense, right? Was that the most common command Jesus gave? Love God. Was it trust God? Makes sense, right? I know he says that. I know he's all about that. I know that's what his <laughs> big deal is, obviously loving God and trusting God. Neither one of those are the most common, most given command of Jesus in the Gospels. The most common command that Jesus gives in the Gospels is this. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Almost three times more he commanded us to not fear than he actually did to love him. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean. What it does mean is the human tendency, the human nature easily, easily fears. And Jesus, more times than anything, any other command he gives, is do not fear. Um, I, I was just thinking of this it was coming through my mind when Jesus came to this earth as a babe in a manger you remember that whole story what are the first words the angels said to the shepherds fear not this is God's consistent message to us don't fear don't be afraid I would say this if failure 
if failure, I just made up a new word. There you go. If failure is familiar to us, then fear definitely is failure's twin and someone we know very well. Before I jump into the story and the idea, I do want to make a disclaimer. There is, there is healthy fear. To understand the whole idea of Scripture, you would read this phrase, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord actually begins the life God has designed for us, a healthy fear of the Lord. I would actually say, and that's a whole other sermon that sometime we'll probably talk about, but I would also say that there is a natural fear of certain dangers, right, that is not sinful. I promise you, if a rattlesnake dropped out of the ceiling right now, you're going to see me have fear. And you're going to see it motivate my life in a certain way. <laughs> and I am not going to have sinned, right? Please tell me I haven't sinned. Because <laughs> then I'm messed up. I've got to get away from snake. I'm gonna, there's a natural fear, is there not? Paul even talks about through his the guy that said, follow me as I follow Christ, Paul, he actually at, at times talks about in the scriptures about having a natural fear of certain dangers. And in fact, it motivated him to leave a city and go somewhere else. It, it, okay? So I, I want to make sure when I start talking about this that there is, there is a fear of certain things, a natural fear, and there's a healthy fear of God. Uh, and that's another sermon. Trust me on that. Um, and, and I do believe that if there was some instance where I fall, in, I fall into a pit of rattlesnakes, that God in that moment gives me power over my natural fear. Absolutely. Um, or gives me strength in that. Okay? But yeah, there's a natural fear. I'm going to avoid a rattlesnake. I'm going to go the other direction. What I want to talk about is this fear that becomes a debilitating issue in our life. Max Licato says it this way, and Max Licato has a way with words that's just unbelievable. And so as I'm trying to write out this, I come across Max Licato, a book I, I've read of his, and thinking, you know what? <laughs> That guy spent hours and hours crafting these words. I, he's, I, I'm just going to take his words and, and read them to you, okay? We fear being sued, finishing last, going broke. We fear the mole on our back, the new kid on the block, the sound of the clock as it ticks closer to the grave. We sophisticate investment plans, create elaborate security systems, and legislate stronger militaries. None of those things which are bad, right? Investment plans, I hope you have one. Uh, security systems are good things. Uh, military, okay. Yet we depend on mood-altering drugs more than any other generation in history. We have it all, yet we still deal with fear in a great way. Fear erodes our confidence in God's goodness. It turns us into control freaks. It sucks the life out of our soul 
curls us into an embryonic state and drains us dry of contentment. Fear never wrote a symphony or a poem, negotiated a peace treaty, or cured a disease. Fear never pulled a family out of poverty or a country out of bigotry. Fear never saved a marriage or a business. Courage did that. Faith did that. Unquote. You see, we were never created to live in fear. We were never meant to live with fear as a major programmer of the lives that we live. And so many need a comeback from fear, from the life of fear. I said this at the end of the first service. I'm just going to put it out there right now, okay? I'm going to get transparent with you for a minute, okay? Does that scare you? I don't know what's coming next to you. Um, the story of my life has included a need for a comeback from fear. Um, a mixture of my personality. Because guess what? People that are, that are a certain personality, even though it seems like they don't have any fear, are actually the people that can sometimes have the biggest fears. That's why they're control freaks. Right? So a mixture of my personality, my genetics. Thank you, Mom and Dad. My environment. I grew up in a very um, uh, conservative environment that used fear as a motivator uh, in a religious environment. You throw that all together, and I have had moments in my life where fear absolutely was a debilitating factor in my life. Um, and so I just want to put that out there for you this morning. Um, uh, this means a lot to me, this subject and what the power of God can do in our lives with fear. And so it means a lot to me to know that Jesus, more times than anything else, tells us to not be afraid. Because he wants to do things with our lives. He wants to accomplish his purposes and plans. And yet the human tendency and the human nature wants to shrink back from that, wants to take maybe a more comfortable road, an easier path, maybe not see what God wants to do, and just, and yet, he's right there all the way with us in this matter. And I think buried deep in the Old Testament, there's a story that helps us see this. Uh, a comeback in the Old Testament from fear. Um, you recognize the name, I'm sure. As soon as I say your, his name, you're going you're gonna to know him. Gideon. We all know the story of Gideon, do we not? Um, Old Testament, the book of Judges, which just the very name of the book causes me not to want to read it. Judges. Uh, context of Gideon's life. He is, um, he is uh, he's in this cycle uh, of the nation of Israel's history where Chapter 6, verse 1 says, And Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And you know this story, right? God's chosen people called out, given a land, given all this promise, and yet, over, over time, they would turn from God, their God. They would pursue the gods of this world, the things of this world. They would get in a mess. 
God in his providence and plan, this is good for us to know, would allow them to be taken captive, would allow pain into their life as a way to turn them back to him, a way to give them a chance because he really is our only hope, our only deal. He is our rescue. And so here we are in the middle of that and they've done evil in the sight of the Lord and, and, um, and as we begin to read about this guy, we see that it's the Midianites this time that have come and, and have taken them captive. And, and we see things like the, the nation of Israel, are, they've basically moved into dens and caves, a lot of them. I mean, they are literally living a culture of fear, of fear. The Midianites, they were just nasty people. You read early that in chapter 6 that like the, the Israelites, would, they would raise their crops. They would spend all this time raising their crops. And right at harvest time, the Midianites would just come in and raid them and take care. You know, just stuff like that. Just oppress, oppress, oppress. And literally there is a culture of fear going on. I mean, they, they, they are in it big time. And um, it's in that context that we're introduced to this man named Gideon and it starts like this chapter 6 verse 12 Uh, hey on that app too all this is in your app all the verses all the points so you can even type in notes I won't think you're texting okay and so you can can just go ahead and text and I'll not even know right so I'm giving you no there on that you version app but chapter 6 verse 12 If you have a Bible, you want to look at that. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I was struck by this this week. Do you remember when he first sees Peter? What does he say? You're Simon, but I'm going to call you Peter. I am going to see you for who you can be. Well, he does the same thing with Gideon. This is the way God looks at us, how he thinks about us. What he, <laughs> just grab a hold of this. Because guess what? Gideon, when we're introduced to him, based on the verses before verse 12, he's not the mighty warrior. He's hiding in a wine press, threshing wheat, harvesting wheat. You don't do that in a wine press. You do it on a hilltop so that when you're separating the the chaff from the wheat, the chaff just blows up and the wind can take it and blow it away. And You did that on the hilltop, out in the open. Here's Gideon bunkered down in a wine press, hiding, doing some wheat. I mean, there's fear all over this guy, all over this situation. And the angel of the Lord walks in and says, Gideon, you mighty warrior. It's almost a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but it's also what he knows he wants to do with this guy. And here's how Gideon responds. Pardon me, my Lord. (laughs) You know and I know I'm not the mighty warrior. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Why? I don't have that one memorized. Judges... (laughs) Judges 6.13. I don't have that one quite memorized. Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has what? Abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. And right up front, we realize what fear does. Fear gives us, it creates 
a distorted perception of reality. Here's Gideon. Lord, you have abandoned us. That's his reality. It's distorted, though. The Lord has never abandoned them. Gideon, he had the scriptures there that they had still read some of the Pentateuch that would have told them that the Lord would never abandon them. That even though he might allow them to go through hard times, he was never going to leave them. They were his promised people. And yet fear has so worked through the mind and the life of Gideon that now he has a distorted perception of reality. He believes something that's not even real. It's not even right. Uh, we, uh, kids, this happens to us, right? The dark. Oh my goodness. I've seen more things in the dark. That was my reality, right? That monster. But it was distorted. It really wasn't real. But I fear caused me to absolutely make there to be a monster in the closet, in the bedroom. Didn't any of you else have an imagination like that? I just really had some problems here. But. Or like this. I've shared with you before. Uh, I was thinking about this. I, was, I shared with you before about the incident with Keegan, our, our oldest son, who uh, two weeks in the hospital, really bad situation with pneumonia, kept getting worse, surgery, ICU, not getting better. Just a really bad two weeks of my life. Okay? Really entertained. Nicole and I had to come to grips with the fact that we might lose him. But after all that came down, obviously I'm sitting down with a doctor and saying, hey, what... Do we know? Can we figure out what happened? And, and really, honestly, and he, he was absolutely right. He said, listen, it was just a virus. Just a, he said, he used the word random virus. He said he got real sick with the stomach flu. The next week he got this, and it just all came, it just all came together in a bad, bad way. But he said these words, it was just a random virus. And so Chip dad who really loves Keegan who wants the very best for him who wants to protect him can't get those words out of his mind just a random virus and so what do I need to do I need to do everything I can to make sure that Keegan does not get a random virus and literally I am kid you not my kids even will laugh about it uh, you'll hear him maybe just heads up they might you might hear him reference sometimes yeah, dad's a germ freak. Because I'm sitting there thinking, I got to protect my son from random viruses. Because I don't ever want to live that again. And you know what I ended up doing? It became awful. We'd go to a restaurant. And of course, I had read all the internet articles about where germs were. Guess what? They're everywhere. <laughs> but restaurants are like bad. I hate to tell you that, but they are. I don't mean to make any, I'm just going to start somebody down a trail here. I'm sorry. And literally, don't touch that. Don't touch that. Don't, don't, don't touch that. Do we, let's wipe off the table. Do you have wipes? Do you have disinfect? Go in a store. Don't touch that. Don't touch that. Don't. 
I got four kids under 10 years old. <laughs> Guess what they're going to do? They're going to touch everything around them. And also, here's the idea. That honestly, the best thing my kids can do is interact with germs to build immunities. So I'm literally trying to rob them of the opportunity of what makes him stronger. Fear literally made me run to a distorted place of reality. It did. That's what it does. And that's where Gideon is. God, you've abandoned us. That was not any more true than anything ever. God was never going to abandon him. But yet fear had run him to that place. And that's what it does to us. It's a distorted perception of reality. But if you keep reading the story, you see this. Verse 14, but now this is what the Lord's, or I want to remind you, sorry. Sorry about this. I jumped ahead of myself. This is what Isaiah says. But now this is the Lord who says, he who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you, and I have summoned you by name. You are mine. That's exactly where Gideon was. He was the Lord's, and he should not fear. New Testament to us, Romans chapter 8, the spirit you've received. Now you become God's children, right? Chapter or, Verse 9 of this chapter, he who has the spirit of Christ is his. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in what? Fear again. But rather the spirit you have received brought about your adoption to what? Sonship. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The reality is, is if you are God's child, he has not abandoned you. He has not abandoned you. He's not gone. He doesn't, it's not that he doesn't care, and it's not that he has a plan and a thing for your life and even those situations. Fear, though, gives you a distorted perception of that reality. And that's Gideon. But you keep reading the story. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. <laughs> you know, Gideon, am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord. This is what Pharaoh says. Pardon me. Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I'm the least in my family. I'm nobody. I mean, literally, it's, 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 it's like, and there's a lot of things, background stuff there, but Gideon was right in saying he came from nothing, and he, he was the weakest of the clan, and he starts this train of what fear does, though. Fear finds reasons why you can't. Can you hear him? I can't for this reason. I can't for that reason. Or it won't happen for this, and it won't happen for that. Fear does this. I mean, it literally gives us reasons why it can't turn around and it won't turn around. That's what fear does. Here's Gideon. Never mind what the scriptures say, Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strong home of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? It's like God is saying, listen, Gideon, you're going to try to give me all these reasons why you can't, but you forgot who your salvation and your light is, who the stronghold of your life can be. And that's me. 
But it continues in this way. The story continues in this way. Gideon said to God, uh, the Lord answered, I will be with you and I, you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. But Gideon replied, <laughs> if I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that this is you really talking to me. Okay? Give me a sign. So God says, okay, go get some bread and water and put it on a rock and I'll blow it up. I'll zap it with fire. And he literally does that. If I did that today, you would like, whoa. And that's what he does. And Gideon, oh God, you must be the one. I heard your words. So he kind of takes a little step. Right? Okay, so you've proven this one. So he gets all the people together. But you understand that a few verses later, here's Gideon again. God said to Gideon, or Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, look, I'll put a fleece out on the fleshing, the threshing floor. And if there's dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry around it, right? If it's just, then I'll know that you will save Israel by my hand. So he's already asked for a sign. Now he's asking for a fleece or another sign. He wakes up the next morning, guess what? Boom. Keep reading. Then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me. Let me just make one more request. Allow me one more test. Can you see fear all over this guy's life? Absolutely. I need a sign. I need a fleece. In fact, you did it that way, Lord. Can you do it this way? And he turns it around. Now this is going to be dry, and this is going to be wet. And guess what? Thing happens again. You keep reading chapter 7. They've got the army together. And the Lord now has caught on to, he didn't really, I, I say that facetiously, he already knew. But he knew how this was going to work with Gideon. And he's get, they're getting ready to attack, and they've got all this together. And yet he says this, during the night the Lord said to Gideon, get up and go down against the camp. I'm going to give it in your hands. And what does he say? If you're afraid to attack. Well, he's already caught on a little bit, right? Signs, fleeces, everything. So he just goes ahead and says, and Gideon, when you try to ask me for a sign or something, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. Go ahead and go down there and watch. And he goes down there, and he, this guy from the enemy is telling another soldier about a dream, and the guy answers, interprets the dream that this guy, these Israelites are going to come down. He just basically, every time he's asking for a sign, God is is. Is, is there to help him through that. And I would notice this last thing about fear. Fear is, it always asks for more evidence. See, you go down the road, the life of fear, it's always needing a little bit more. Show me a little bit more, tell me a little bit, I need to see a little bit more. But yet God has designed us to, to act in a way, it's like what he tells Joshua in Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. It's the New Testament saying this. For the spirit God gives us does not make us timid or fearful. But gives us power and love and self-discipline. You see, fear is always wanting more evidence. But the reality of it, many times in your life, what you don't need is more evidence. 
We need to stop asking for evidence. And you and I just need to be strong and courageous. That's what God calls us to do. He's patient with us. He, he, the last point I would, I would tell you is every one, of those, every one of those things along the way, God patiently dismissed the fear that Gideon had. Absolutely. He patiently dismissed it. You need a sign, I'll give you a sign. You need this, I'll give you this. What am I trying to communicate to you, Gideon? I am with you. I'm with you. He patiently dismissed his fear in our life. He calls us, though, to be strong and courageous. He can't do that part for us. He will go to the ends of making sure that we understand why we should trust him, why he's going to bring us through. It's like John 14, 27 uh, says, as Jesus is, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17 of John, like big time information as Jesus is dying. And he's introducing this idea of the Holy Spirit. In the middle of that, he uses these words about the Holy Spirit. Peace I leave with you. The Holy Spirit I'm gonna leave with my peace I give you. The Spirit of God in you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That's why the scriptures so often in Jesus so often commanded us. Do not fear because he truly if we're his is in control he's trustworthy he's good he'll patiently even work through the fears you have I am a testimony to that he has yet it's on you and I to just trust him and to stand and be strong courageous so as the fears start to intersect our mind there is the moment where we say you know what i'm not going to go down that rabbit trail i'm not going to allow this to continue to circle in my mind i'm not going to allow this to continue to debilitate my life i am going to be strong and courageous and i am going to make a comeback from fear and i promise you that if you even make a little bit of that direction toward God with fear, he absolutely, through the power of his spirit, will dismiss those fears in your life. And just as he did with Gideon, Gideon, the guy who, if you read the first part of the story, there's fear everywhere, right? And there's reasons why he shouldn't and why he can and he needs signs. This is the guy with 300 men took an army of 185,000 out. Fearful, timid Gideon is the guy we teach our kids about today in Sunday school as being a mighty man of valor. Why? Because he did. He did finally say, you know what? I'm not going to allow my life to be overcome by fear. And also the Lord worked through him with each and every fear he had. And so I want to finish this way. There's a song that came out, I don't know, three or four or five years ago. And man, it just, it, it's, it spoke to me so powerfully about this idea of fear. And um, you might know this song. If you do, you're welcome to sing with the band. If not, I just invite you to, to soak in these words because this is, this, is, this is how we should understand fear and how to come back from fear. It's understanding our position in Jesus Christ. What is the reality? I'm his. I'm in the safest place I should ever be as a child of God. 
the one who's in control. And two, understanding that fear, it's always going to try to make me want to have more evidence. It's always going to try to make me stop and say reasons why I can't. But you know what? I trust and believe in who he is and what he can do and how patiently he'll work with me through my fears to bring me to the purposes he wants for my life. That's Gideon. Fearful, timid Gideon becomes a mighty man of valor and makes a comeback from living in fear. And so would you just, uh, would you sing this with us, listen to it, take it in this morning as the band sings. Oh, yeah. 
Well, you are our advocate. You make a way for us, God, into eternal life with you. Father, any source of fear in our lives, we proclaim in the name of Jesus Christ that it get behind us, that the cross would be before us, that we would trust in you, that we would not give fear a foothold in our lives. These things we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, we proclaim, amen, amen. Have a great Sunday. See you next week.